Hello friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you're listening to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It is episode 74, believe it or not, nearly at the three-quarter century. It's the show where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for checking this one out, I hope you enjoy it. I've got a new recorder, don't know if you've noticed, but it sounds pretty good to me. Anyway... If you listened to my last episode with Vernon Deck, not K, as I've been desperately trying to make sure I don't say for the last two weeks, you'll know that as part of the same trip to Larks in Switzerland, I also interviewed my friend Scof, Schofield, snowboarder, artist, all-round itinerant creative powerhouse. I say it quite a lot, but Scof was one of the first names on the list. It's true, he really was. His story is truly strange and wondrous, especially if you've had a ringside seat like I've had over the years. Now, here's a lad from Doncaster who started riding at his local dry slope back in the 90s, followed the same path as so many other UK skiers and snowboarders over the years, the classic season their life around the Alps and the UK, inspired by love of snowboarding and the massive group of friends that he surrounded himself with so far so straightforward, but things took a left field turn when Scove, longer talented artist, held his first show with the help of an old mate and was catapulted onto the path and career he's now immersed in as an artist following a truly unique path through the action sports world and life in general, I might say. I mean, today, it's no exaggeration to say that Scove's probably the most sought after artist in snowboarding definitely and he's got a, an ever widening reputation in the wider action sports world he does collaborations with brands like Volcom, Libtech and Dragon he's enjoying a fruitful creative partnership with his old mate Jamie Lynn he puts on shows around the world and he's generally pushing himself as hard as he can and chasing this opportunity as hard as he can and it all begs the question how the fuck did that happen and while Scofe can often seem to have many personas, Artful Scofe, Dalit Fodder Scofe, Shred Scofe, Black Milk, Guinness Drinking, Cheeky Northerner Scofe, he won't mind me saying that because as you're going to hear, he rips the piss out of me for the Northern thing as much as I rib him. I've long suspected that the truth of the matter is that Scofe is a worker bee, pure and simple. He's a grafter. You just don't get to enjoy the success and pull off the projects he's part of without being a shrewd, shrewd individual and somebody with a fearsome work ethic. And it's not something I've heard him talk about a lot, really. But I've been lucky enough to work with Scofe on a few things and we have known each other a very long time. And like I say, I've watched him progress from afar. And to me, it's as plain as day, really. I mean, look at his work. Technically, it just gets better and better. And I suspected that much of this was down to that same work ethic and that same desire to push himself. And the fact that he carries it off so entertainingly and charismatic, well, let's just say, to me, his success isn't really that much of a surprise. So that's what I wanted to find out about. So that's what we talked about. Now, I'm going to say this one cracked me up. It, I mean, for, for a start, it's not often I get to have another Northerner on the show. So the Northern accents are cranked up to 11 in this. Me and Scope have got an ongoing gag about our own little War of the Roses, which uh, does make an appearance frequently in this episode. So I hope you can humour us on that. I mean, Scope's a funny fucker. There's no other way of putting it. And he's lived an absolutely crazy life. So his stock of anecdotes and chat is sky high. Good value ahead. Let me just put it that way. I mean, above all, I just love the story. Fundamentally, the tale of our lad from Donny ended up where he is today. 
it's just a brilliant one and he tells it really really well as you're gonna hear enjoy it here's me and scope black milk enjoy How you doing? You all right, our kid? <laughs> I had to do that. I thought you might do that. Hey, yeah, up. Hey, up. I get that a lot these days. Yeah. Going to crack this Guinness in your honour. Oh, fuck it. There it's we go. a good sound. Yeah, there we go. How you doing? We finally did it. We've only been talking about this for about, what, a year? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Um, thanks for having me. That's thanks right. for having me on. That's all right. That's all right. Well, um, you're a hard man to track down. Where, where have you, you're in, we're in lax, obviously, for the show, yep. but you you are generally all over the place, aren't you? So what, what's been going on? Where you been? there and back to see how far it is right and what did yeah. you find what did you find all kinds of things adventure <laughs> stories yeah no, well that, just that's what i want to hear about <laughs> so let, let's let's hear it just uh yeah man um we're in lax and we're doing the tidal art show the second i wouldn't say series because i don't know how long it's going to go for but the the second e- exhibition yeah you did it last year didn't you yeah man it was cool last year but it's gonna, it's a bit of a bigger show this year it's down in the the nightclub bit right and um a few old faces and a few new ones yeah so who, pretty, it's always rad to be able to work with other artists and ex- exhibit with other artists so. who, who have you got um we've got danny larson back corinne pj shallow tree uh Wilson. he's a, he's ace actually isn't he he's quality yeah he's yeah. a i always look at him like a bit of a a madman genius kind of situation yeah i do re- he's one of the recent insta follows of yeah definitely yeah. improved my feed let's good say good lad and hard working and cracks on with it and gets involved so yeah yeah he gets my respect so yeah um will smith he, he's a new one to the whole thing which is cool because i've got another yorkshire fellow i was gonna to say to. You, 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 the people's republic's growing oh mate you don't got a goddamn clue what i'm saying half the time so you got an ally it's just it's just quality banter i guarantee by the end of this conversation my mank accent will have cranked up about oh, five proper. five you're notches like, you're all right <laughs> yeah Right, so you got Will, you got uh, you got Jay, you, oh yeah, you've got someone called Jamie Lynn here as well, maybe. Oh yeah, Jimbo Huckleberry Lynn. He's, yeah, he's getting in today. He should have been here on Monday, apparently. But right, he's, yeah, he's a uh, he's in Gooch was supposed to be in, but he's he's got other things going off back in Jackson, unfortunately. So right, he's had to drop out. Um, who else? And then we've got Mike Melman, aka Dave's brother. Yep. Yeah. Pentagram Pizza. <laughs> um, That's a strong name, man. He's quality, man. Yeah. He just paints and draws what, exactly what he's thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously Aaron, the curator, and Jono, the other curator. Aaron Schwartz, yeah. is it? Yeah. And he's the lad that does the stuff with Carrera, right? Yeah, man. He's basically the creative mind behind yeah. what's going off and the so look he, of it. And w- Would he be like the head curator kind of thing? Yeah, man. Yeah, he was He was the one that kind of instigated this, this show, really, I suppose. Yeah. And got it going. He's got a very good base in Lax with the, you know, that place down there and yeah, he seems like he's got it pretty dialed actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also he's he's not just a great artist and great bloke. He's he's an amazing photographer as well. Yeah, because he does. Yeah, because again on Insta, he, all these all these snowshots are amazing, aren't they? Mate, honestly, like yeah, got a top eye basically. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to see a shit photo from Aaron. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is the second one. So are you involved in promoting it as well, or are you just an artist on this one? Because you do promote stuff as well, right? Yeah, I mean. I think it's important to do that. I mean, I remember when these shows weren't really happening. I mean, we did some stuff ages ago, but it yeah, was we did more that like one a about, pop-up thing. We did that one about seven years ago, didn't we? Yeah, and yeah. Um, 
it's the reason why I started getting involved curating human nature yeah. you know, with, with those guys, uh, Kyle and Nina. And there wasn't really shows going off in the snowboard industry that we wanted to see. And God, how many creatives are there in snowboarding, you know? Yeah, there was, if, like, there was a couple, weren't there? Like, the one, like you said, the one that we did. Yeah. And then there's a couple there and there, weren't there? But it was only really till you did human nature and the 2016 was the first one, maybe? Was I think it? it was or in was Seattle. it early, a bit earlier? It was, we've done Seattle jackson hole at a symbol um and then, and then we've done two in london yeah yeah okay so it's earlier than i thought yeah but that was yeah then you you lot started putting them together and it's now become much more regular hasn't it yeah it's it's pretty rad man because obviously it's it's building friendships that you didn't have before through what you're doing for a living yeah and as an artist it's it's just great to have that mutual mutual kind of thing going off with a bunch of top mates now you know yeah, well, uh, you there's a big camaraderie in there between what you lot do, and obviously you all collaborate as well. Yeah, I think it's important, though, man, because there's a lot of people that don't really, not don't understand art and all the rest of it, but if you can do it with mates, like everything, it's a good laugh. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be this big deal about, art. oh, you got to be in white walls galleries and this, that, and the other. And even though I do, I've got two different styles that I work with, with, the gallery that represents me but yeah i think it's important to show that side of it that you can just have a good laugh and you can get a great group of artists together from our industry and you know i'd get involved and start curating our own shows you know end of the day if something's not happening you you make it happen and i think that diy thing is a very important thing to do because you can't be waiting around for you know a sponsor to come in or, or whatever i think i'm fortunate to have support off a bunch of good companies that want to get involved with what i'm doing so yeah when it's curating an art show it's yeah it's pretty easy yeah to yeah. put it blunt you know yeah and uh it's finally it's it's you know this one's spurred off you know i'm not saying that human nature was the one that started all but it maybe gave maybe an opportunity that other artists went you know what well i can do this as well i mean if he's from doncaster if he can do it do you know yeah what I mean? yeah yeah well but you say that but you have you have work to get here i mean it's not like it's not like it's happened by accident, is it? You know, you obviously we talked about where those shows came from and the and the kind of roots of it in snowboarding or whatever. But you know, you've been working at this for a while now, aren't you? You know, and it, it is something that you've chased those opportunities as they've come along, haven't they? You know, you've had, you've had a couple of breaks, like the yeah the first show that you probably did with Cy Forster, maybe yeah, like back in the day. Yeah, it's um it's Cy Forster's fault. Um, a lot of things happened yeah yeah but you know, you know what i mean like that was an opportunity that came along yeah and then off the back of that you, you got other things came up and you have chased those things and you have worked hard at it you have thrown yourself at this wholeheartedly i guess that's what i'm saying you know? yeah i think art's one of those things that you have to you, you can't do it half fast do you know what i mean it's once you start making art and all the rest of it and you're really getting into it you know i i came out of school with nothing i wasn't able to do art at school so um it wasn't really an option for me and then I, I've always painted I've always drawn and it's one of those things that an opportunity comes towards you I pretty much say yes to everything in if you know not yes to everything but if it, I think it's a good opportunity you, you'll do the work yeah and you'll, I'm in a position to be able to do whatever I want so yeah you know, there's no one waking me up in the morning I'm not setting an alarm it's it's like all right well if you don't do it no one else will do it for you yeah you know, so we can see that and i've really obviously i know you pretty well and i've over the years i've kind of really seen how you've done that because one of the things that i sort of know about you is that you do work really hard at this and you couldn't really do what you do 
and do the amount of projects that you do because i mean let's face it you're doing a lot of stuff at the minute you've got yeah. all the collabs that you're doing with all the brands you've got all the shows you've not only got the snowboard shows but you've got like you say you do the other kind of if you like more mainstream gallery shows and stuff you do you do private commissions you do a lot of stuff god when you put it like that but you're you're a grafter aren't you though you you, you get up and do the work basically and and you couldn't uh, you couldn't knock all that out unless you did do that so yeah that that is that always been have you always kind of thrown yourself yeah like, i think i'll tell you what it is i think it's it's where i'm from it's it's the way that i've been brought up like where are you from again like doncaster oh yeah yorkshire if, yeah. if you don't know that <laughs> um, well you're from manchester yeah manchester I yeah. So, yeah i might have mentioned that a few yeah, times, yeah, yeah. A few times. <laughs> um but yeah it's where i'm from it's it's that mentality it's not like you know, my mum and dad both worked. So my old man, he's 72 and he's only just retired and he's been in the same job since 15 years old. Well, it's a, it is a thing, isn't it? It's like that mentality of being brought up in that and it's like I've always, I, I can't stand having idle hands. I've got to be doing something. Yeah. I think, you know, when you hear artists talk about procrastination and creative blocks and stuff, you know. Do you think where it's I, bollocks? Pretty much, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's called bone idle from where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, people do go through that, you know. I, I remember I read a quote years ago from somebody that said, um, writer's block is a middle-class way of saying you're lazy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> if I would when I read that, I was like, fucking hell, that's pretty savage. But it's yeah, the attitude it that it's you're just, talking yeah, about, isn't I it? I think, I mean, it, maybe some other artists find that opinion of mine. Well, I do get creative blocks, but fair play, you know. I've, opinions are like arseholes, everyone's got one. So <laughs> it's just one of them things that I do actually think yeah. where you're from and... I think I'm just hungry to, you know, people say it's a passion, but I'm just hungry to do what I want to do. And end of the day, I don't want to be doing something that I don't want to do. Yeah. Simple, you know. Do you find, though, that, like, the work becomes a habit and the more work you do? Because there's that other thing in there, like, the more work, you, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know. Mm. Like, and do you find that, because there's only one way to really get yourself out of something like a block if you like which is to keep working isn't it and just keep, paint or draw and go. keep doing it and yeah. do something and then that's gonna drive you forward isn't it which Absolutely, is kind of the man, point yeah. isn't it you know yeah. like when you do this creative stuff i always think it is about forward movement isn't it it's just about like doing something every day just to keep your mind still going and ticking over even if it's you're not doing something that you should be like if you if you want to start painting a picture and you don't want to start painting that subject matter, you draw or sketch or doodle something else, guaranteed that'll escalate into something else, you know? Like, it's just that thing of getting your mind in motion. Can you use that then? Like, to to like as a way of mapping your way between ideas and stuff? Yeah. So can, you, can you do that consciously? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's just the way that I go about working. Like, if if I do, you know, I'm not getting up every day and going, yeah, get in i can't wait to start painting this yeah, picture and i've got the vision yeah yeah, yeah all that yeah. bollocks it's not it's not gonna happen like, yeah it's it's, it's it's the small details yeah, it's, it's the little the things turning that, up every day isn't it yeah it's like first up best rest it's yeah it's you're not fanning around it, you just get involved with it and yeah it's just that those little things and accumulation you know you're not i'm not going to be poncing around going oh man i've had this amazing vision of doing you're not gonna get the cravat on and oh, start no no no, no, like bollocks. no, it's not, no that's not, and if it does you're more than welcome to give me a slap get the so. cigarette holder out yeah exactly yeah yeah. yeah 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 um and do you i mean i find it really interesting and i kind of thought you were going to say this like because as i said I, you can't do what you do without having this attitude i don't think so do you um 
do you find that you have you have to like lock and i don't mean like in the the starving artist garrett kind of sense but i mean like lock yourself away when you've got a project like this where you've got a lot of work to produce you've got a deadline you just have to focus on that one thing completely yeah i mean it's i guess it's just not a case of locking myself away it's what i want to be doing you know like it's yeah. the only way that i can produce the work i want to produce and i try not to follow you know nowadays with social medias and things like that there's a lot to there's a lot coming at you a lot to distract you yeah and also there's a lot of art going out there and all the rest of it and i try and stay away from that to and then when i'm working i don't really have much of a social life it's pretty it is pretty reclusive you know it's yeah and it's a kind of hard one for other people to understand because they do the nine to five is midweek thinking get in it's nearly friday yeah and, which is cool like you know each to their own but the way that i work it's that social life is getting on a plane and doing the art show which is still work and yeah it's a funny one man it's sometimes i think it's not healthy because i've gone into some stints and just like three months straight and like realize i've not been outside for like five days or even spoken to another human in three or four or something and yeah i don't think that's healthy but do you, do you find it stressful at all well no because i'm i'm my maybe stressful in a way that shit i've got a deadline coming that's, up in this that's show. almost what i mean you know because you can exactly like I have a lot of deadlines with what I do sometimes yeah. and I know what mindset that puts you in and I know like when you have opportunities that come along like you've got you'll take them like you say because you think well this is what I've been working for Like, I need and also you don't know when it's going to stop those so you opportunities got, so you, you know it's that freelance thing as well you've got to do it but it can be quite stressful that kind of plate spinny yeah. thing so I've, that's another thing I'm interested in like I, I cope with that because I get there's the there's the work part and there's the application there's the creativity but equally a deadline's a deadline and if yeah. you've got a lot of deadlines and you which i imagine you've got a lot of deadlines in your life it's fucking stressful so how do, you, how, how do you cope with that do you just kind of again just crack on yeah just it's the honestly i, I just think a little bit different to i think a lot of other people because i try not to believe in anxieties and things like that and and stress and stuff i think if you if you keep your mind actually ticking over and buzzing over and especially with some of the art that i do you know the resin pieces it's very detailed and stuff and yeah it's, it's very hard to switch off from that you know you go to bed at night and it's just a buzz takes up a lot of like bandwidth right? yeah yeah and it's it's one of those things that when the stress does creep in you, you just think well you know you're on it you yeah know, you, you've got it going off it's shit's happening yeah so you or, can almost like compartmentalize yeah, it like put it in a box yeah you put it in like little boxes and it's like right that's the shipping deadline that's the main deadline yeah. to get it off because then you're giving it to someone that you can't control and that really pisses me off because yeah. that's it. You know, you spent two, three months working on a piece and then mate, your boy in a customs is like, oh, I don't know if that can make it to that show. I'm like, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get stressed or wound up because what can you, it's one of those things you can't do a great deal about stuff, can you? Once it's no. out of your hands, there's no point in worrying about stuff because, gen you know, generally what can you do? But yeah. That's the biggest ball ache for me. Right. Like, yeah, just not having that you spent that much time on this, you know, church window or whatever, and then it gets shipped out, and then your baby's gone, and it's like, all right, best book a flight to, uh, you know, lax or whatever, and yeah, hopefully it turns up. So and do you, do you base yourself in the places where you've got stuff going on, or do you have generally, a, yeah, or do you have a base? Um, got a, a base up near where I was brought up because you've got cheaper. you've had studios, haven't you, in the past? And yeah, man. God, I remember when I lived in Brighton. And I lived in that uh, enterprise point. Yeah, you were well, you had a you were living in the studio upstairs from my office, weren't you? Basically. Oh shit! Yeah, you were yeah. downstairs. Yeah, we were downstairs, and yeah. you were basically 
that was when that was when you were basically really starting this out wasn't it yeah i was like i remember it because uh sammy lala's missus broke a water one morning and i get up about 8 30 she probably don't want me saying that on this, but <laughs> anyway sorry Zoe. check checks record is uh <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah you know what sammy lala's like i get up and i might study my pants and sammy's like, just fell off his bike on his commute to hove i guarantee it yeah <laughs> But yeah, I kind of got up from studying me boxes. I'm like, you what, mate? And he's like, yeah, uh, Zoe's water's just broken up. Oh, I was, all right, do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> so I walks down, puts kettle on, makes a cup of tea. He's like, rushed down. He's like, Scoff, you've got to go. I'm like, I'm thinking, it probably means go to the studio, but I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to pack my bags now and just walk to the studio and move in. Yeah, no, I, I remember, I remember. Because that was quite a funny scene, wasn't it? Because like, <laughs> Ben Allen was there, Toza was there. Yeah, um, in fact, Toza had moved out. That's when I moved in. That yeah. was my Owen gave me a, a hookup and introduced me to Ben and Yeah, yeah. Um I was just like sofa surfing for months before that and finally got the studio. Yeah. But then when I moved in I wasn't supposed to live there, so I had like a really weird you know, I'd wake up, I'd have to set alarm about six to to wake up. Then yeah. I'd walk down Hove Beachfront, back down to Brighton, get a coffee, yeah. then walk up and be there for about half eight, nine. Yeah. And then Ben would be there and there was another lad called Rich in there. He was the screen printer, wasn't he? South African lad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Um, yeah. And I had to make out that I'd just been back to Sammy's or whatever every day, and they'd be like, oh, what'd you do last night? Oh, you know, I just watched a bit of television, a bit of you know, blockbusters or whatever. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Bob yeah, a bit, Holmes, of, man. bit of Bob Holness. <laughs> yeah, um, South African was like, all right, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. nice one, <laughs> um, Or whatever I said, I don't know. I used to make loads of shit up just because oh, I just brilliant. had to make stories up. But, yeah, yeah. And Ben pretty much knew. Like, I'll, each week I'd look more and more rough. Like, yeah. proper. Yeah, by the end of it, I just looked, yeah, like I dread, you know. Yeah. Just rough. But you were, you were grafting, you were doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, it moved into Enterprise Point, which was not the best situation. I was in there for, like, man. I, I mean, I had an office there, it was bad enough, let alone living there. Yeah, they were like, I met some characters, and I swear down that place is haunted. I remember one time. I don't know whether my mind was just playing tricks because it's a big building. If it's yeah. still there, oh, it is still there, and it's is it? It's a weird place. Still a shit. It's, it's a weird place because yeah. there's all those like empty floors, isn't there? Yeah, you know where you and on nights I get a cup of tea and just walk around. And yeah, yeah. Well, finished, every now and, and again we yeah. just in the day we'd go and have a little wander around. Yeah, and there'd be entirely like abandoned businesses and stuff, wouldn't there? And then loads of asbos downstairs. Yeah, yeah. like it was a really weird vibe, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, I can see why if you were actually mate, living there twenty four seven. I was there for like a month and. I don't know whether the paint fumes or whatever get into me. There were one night and uh, I just pulled my sofa bed out. I gets in it and I hear this whistling. And I heard this whistling or in my me, me head. And can you remember that studio had like a double door and then a door here on a, on a yeah, yellow Yeah, used lock. to bang that door, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, fuck it. If someone's in this corridor and they see me as I look now in a pair of pants and my hair were a bit longer and my beard were a bit longer. I thought, fuck it. I know covered what I did. I'd run away. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought, you know what? I've been here long enough now. Just walked straight out, ran into that corridor, that long one. Yeah. And then the door shut behind me. I'm like, oh, bollocks. <laughs> I see you lock yourself out. I locked myself out. I'm sat there for about two hours going, oh, man. And then I leaned against that double door. Right. And it like started moving a bit. And I managed to like knock get like a bit of metal from laying on the floor right and just knocked the the latch off it and it knocked that double door and i got back in and was like oh man that could have been so bad that like, could have been bad because yeah. you would have had to go and 
get the aspos to to aspos to let you in aspos yeah. stood in my pants but no yeah. just just a I'm glad I did that though. Man. Well, that's the dues, though, isn't it? That's the uh, you know. That's not that I did it for a reason, but I just thought, well, it was that point when I started doing my first graphic for LibTech. So, in that period of time, it was like something came out of it good, even though it was a bit of a shit situation, you know. Yeah, but, and the, and wasn't uh, as I remember the story. It was like you did do that initial show, and then that kind of put your name out there a little bit, and then you know LibTech saw it. And and it kind of grew, it all grew from that very first sort of t- stuff that you were doing, didn't it? You know, pe- yeah. people started seeing it, and then you know you get the hook up with LibTech, and then you meet Jamie Lynn, and then you you know so, so it kind of grew, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a weird one, man. That that first show that I did was thanks to Side Forster again. He was, um, you know, he was at the time. It was when I got hooked up by a bunch of people for just snowboarding or whatever, but he was working with electric at the time that's how i met him and then yeah. he, he was working for somebody else and then he left the industry so to speak or whatever and he just called me up and i'd had a few injuries and i was like you know what i think it's time to i'll always snowboard but i was really wanting to paint i was really wanting to do progress and something learn how to do it and actually be an artist and go so so just to back up a little bit before you get into that so this because you were doing your seasons in teen obviously yeah so you do you learn on dry slope? Yeah, yeah. Snap many a finger and rip my arsehole a couple of times as well. Yeah, laugh. the classic dry slope yeah, yeah, yeah. Jews. And then you did... So your your snowboarding apprenticeship is basically like the classic UK thing. Yeah, from back dry in the, slope. When I day, saw it? Uh, Russ Ward's caravan go down the hill, I was like, what the hell is snowboarding? This is the best thing in the world. Were you at that? The Chef Riot, yeah. Wow, I was at that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's funny. I but, didn't know you were at that. Yeah, and I just learned maybe a week or so before, so I was like anything, you know... I was at school reading. I remember when, what's the uh, singer who was on the first ever seal? He was on the first ever onboard. Cover of onboard. Yeah, Chris remember, Moran's second ever cover. Was he? Fact. I mean, that is a great fact, isn't it? Fair play. Yeah, that is legit, isn't it? I'll that? give him that. That is legit, definitely. But seal was the first yeah, onboard seal, like, cover, wasn't he? And I was just thinking, man, like, I just learned at Chef Dry Slope, as it is learning on Dry Slope, it's plastic, you're snapping fingers and yeah. whatnot. But I just loved it. Right, and, and that was it, and paid my dues on plastic. And I'm thinking, right, I've just got to get to the mountains, what to do, whatever, you know, just wash pots or make beds or just do it and get out there. So yeah, so you um, ended up going teen then. But no, man, like I, I as soon as I could, I went down to Newquay, um, just to get out of Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, and then I met someone down there at the job that I worked at, and he's like. I went, what do you do in winters? He's like, oh, I work in a place called Alp Duers. I'm like, why's that? It's in Alps. I'm like, can I have a job? Just totally cheeky kid. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what What can you do? I'm like, anything. Absolutely anything. Yeah. <laughs> do I get a lift pass? He's like, yeah. Yeah, right. Sweet. Get a bad lift pass. That, that's he went, that's well, me. Yeah, and I weren't even asking about pay or anything. So he put me in touch with, I think you were a holiday company. And yeah, I had an interview back up in Sheffield. Got the job, went out there and there was a pot wash out in Alpdewares and that was kind of my first introduction to being you know there's more to snowboarding I think it's that mountain living in the mountains and everything yeah and going whoa this yeah. is well especially when you you know not to harp on but when you know when you're from Doncaster that's a big part well, of the appeal isn't it you're from Doncaster <laughs> <laughs> I, I've kind of I've kind of yeah I think yeah you know but it's a big part of the appeal isn't it you know it's mm. like this this new well, when you sat as a kid at school just reading snowboard magazines you're thinking man Oh my god! I'd, you want to get there? Yeah. You want to? You want to experience see it? it you yeah. want to see it for yourself, don't you? So I did like three years there, and 
I'm one of them people that I have to try and do the best at what I'm doing. So I was working in this kitchen. I just remember looking at these chefs going, what's the difference in what he's doing? He gets paid a bit more and a bit more time on the hill and stuff. So I just went up to the head chef and said, look, I want to be a chef. Yeah, you're our pot wash. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, I made best mates with the head chef. You know, we'd have beers at night and we'd shred a bit together. And he went, right, then just write down everything in that I say to you. And you, you do your job normally, but I'll show you the menu. I'll, I'll share to, to cook it and all the rest of it. And right. Long story short, I ended up moving to teen and running my own kitchen. So I was a head chef of the, you know, the Terrace. Yeah. I was yeah, a head yeah. chef there for three years and then... So this would be when you met Nelly and yeah man and, yeah and they, Wolfie like, and everybody and yeah man fuck real good years man John John Dragon so when you met John, I, it probably. was later that I met John because right the Nitro Test Center was happening at the Terrace and we made that connection with Nelly and Davo Wolfie um, Marcus was maybe around for a year but then yeah. he bounced because he had scene, the cave top scene wasn't it it was wicked man like some of the best seasons I've ever had and then it felt like I got demoted because I got moved up to the, the one of the I think it was. Did three years as a head chef, then I got demoted to second chef, but in a bigger hotel up right. in Valkyrie. I had no windows. You know how the territory overlooks a lot? I'm like, this is yeah, bollocks, that's, man. That, that's not I could a, do this back in England. That's not an upgrade. Yeah. No. So I'd always want to throw the towel in. And that's not like me in general in life. Yeah. But at this point, I was thinking, this isn't for me, man. Like, right. So I walked out one morning. There's a manager at the top of the stairs, and I threw his tea towel, and he can stick your job. And then I walked out and I'm, I got a message off Chris Moran, actually. Right. He's like, I want to do a contender on you. Will Hughes has said, there's the, you know, there's this Yorkshire lad that's snowboarding and that's all he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember. He's like, what? And he called me up. I'm like, who are you? He's like, Chris Moran <laughs> from so-and-so. I'm like, hello, Chris Moran. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But that's second, second or, or cover something of on board. Like you might have heard of me. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. But Or something along those lines. And Will, you know, I think someone had asked Will and he's like, I've been snowboarding this lad, lad and he's not that bothered about the sponsorship side of it, I just generally wanted to snowboard. And yeah. That was it. And one thing led to another and yeah. The next day I got hooked up with electric. Like, you know, just that flow thing back then or whatever it used to be. I don't yeah. Know. Like um, the season air deal sort of vibe. It was fr- I don't know where it was from, but it was electric holding capita. So I got hooked up basically in two days after I thought, well this is all right. Yeah. And then I'm pretty much moved in into Chalet Club where the cave was Marcus's gaff. Yeah. And Nelly, Dave and Wolfie were in there. I thought, well, this is a good laugh. Yeah. And that were it. Like, so it's like such a classic British season story. Yeah, isn't man. It? It's yeah. Brilliant. It's just one one thing leads to another. But yeah, it's great. When, when a door closes, another one opens, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what it was. And I thought, well, again, just say yes, because I don't know whether I'm going to be able to afford this. And it was just mates helping me out from then on in for a few years. Um, but yeah, out in team, man, and that's how the, the snowboarding side kind of crept in. So how many years did you do over in team? But it's got to be like about 10, right? Yeah, I mean. something like that, man. Um, yeah, 10 or 11 or something. Yeah. And then I just, not that I got bored of it, but I get itchy feet. Right. Like if I'm in one place too long, it's like, right, there's we, more, there's, you know. Well, you said earlier that you were also starting to get more serious about creating and, yeah. and, and doing the art as well. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of happening what was a later part of this or have yeah, you, or, or, had you, or had you always done it i'd always painted or you know I'd, i didn't speak till like four years old so I, my parents thought i was a mute i remember you <laughs> I, I know this story and what i want to ask you is what were your first words no <laughs> 
Not black milk. <laughs> no, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? Oh, nice pint of Ambrose here. No, that, really, that was your first. Was, yeah. So you were, you didn't speak until you were four. Something like that. It was a late three or four. That or must have freaked the fuck out of your parents. And apparently, my parents, um, they, it, I think I went to the doctors and they were seeing if I was a mute and all the rest of it. And then, well, yeah, like that's so late, isn't it? I, I, I might be totally wrong. It was a late age. I was like maybe three or something. Or, I don't, I don't know a great deal about kids, so I don't know whether that is a late age. It or is not, late. It is definitely late. Yeah, you, you'd, you'd be worrying, definitely. For one, but but yeah, I used to spend time with my grandparents on the weekends, and um, my grandma just had an argument with me. Right. She, she started an argument with me. I went no. I was like, <laughs> oh damn. And they're all like, I started talking. They're all like, Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. He talks. It's like, ah, oh, you little bugger. Yeah, you got to talk now. Yeah, but you always drew. Yeah, just always drew and sketch from what I, I gather. I mean, I can't remember a great deal, but, you know, there's bits of paper and like every kid does, you know, yeah. draw on something. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously that was your expression. Yeah, man, yeah. And I think everyone does though, you know, like it, it trips me out when people go, yeah, I can't draw. It's like you guaranteed you drew before you spoke probably with a crayon. Yeah, exactly. And your mum and dad stuck it on the fridge. Yeah. You know, I've just got into abstract stuff and you look at some stuff and think everyone does it everyone does some kind of abstract drawing but they get to a certain age you go no i can't draw yeah and they start like, they start trying to frame it in a way of like what they believe is like you know proper yeah. art don't they and, and yeah, you, you kind of get it oh god this is the whole podcast and that isn't it but you know what i mean you, you, you almost get it beaten out of you a bit don't you yeah that creativity right but you always kept kept going then i always like filled sketchbooks up and I'm, i didn't have a clue about the art world i didn't know how, how it worked or anything i just saw swanky pictures and swanky films about white walls galleries and who's famous and well it's a very class yeah just based yeah world isn't it yeah and it's like well, yeah. and, and again when you're from go on another world <laughs> all right i'm not gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> you're bringing it up more than me <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean they're like it, it seems unattainable doesn't it you know yeah yeah man yeah um so you you can you can't ever imagine yourself being part of that world can you you know it's it's a weird one man it's having certain opportunities that I mean the way that it happened for me it's I, I finished doing seasons I was like right went through a bunch of injuries at the time thinking right okay let's move let's open in a cheesy way the next chapter so to speak you know right and um I spoke to a few few mates when I got back up north and Cy Forster was one of them and he's like what about I speak to a gallery owner maybe can do a show and I'm like, mate, I've never done a show. I don't know anything about it. And he pretty much... What had he seen, though? Had he just seen the work you were doing? Yeah. And and presumably you had people around you who were saying, like, actually, this... I think what it is, was is... pretty good. You should I, you should think about this. Yeah, maybe something like... I can't really remember the whole... How it all worked out, but... Sai started Robot Food. Yeah. And he had a, a small office in Harrogate at the time. This gallery was in Harrogate, and he was hanging out with the owner and swanning about like he does and all the rest of it you know he's like um <laughs> swanning about like david essex but um in the uh in the one where he lives in the canal boat yeah yeah in, yeah like in yeah, the 80s scarf around his neck <laughs> is he still alive uh i'm yeah i think he not is. Cy forster david essex. <laughs> i think he is i think i think essex is still going yeah, yeah. um but yeah it was Cy that introduced me through that and i'd done a, a few pieces for his office and um one thing led to another. He's like, uh, "I've got a contact for you. Do three or four paintings, and he'll put, he'll hang him in this show." Right. So I turns up. I'm like, 
All right, mate, sound. Went in there with these four paintings, and it was a really old style that I used to do. Like, I still do it now. It's like pattern work, but um, one of them sold, like, before the show opened, and I was in a pub down the street, we say, right. and he got the call. And, yeah, um, I went over to the show, and and it weren't like a half-hour show. I remember dropping the paintings off, and I'm like, who else is in the show? And there's, like, Blake Lerat, Banksy, Shepherd Fairy. I'm like, oh, Christ, what have I done here? Wow. Just them, eh? And it, and it, it, yeah, just those names. It, I mean, it was a full collective show, but yeah. At the time, also, I didn't know a great deal about those, so I was like, "All right, I've heard about them." Yeah, but Bank, I don't know. Banks, you, yeah, yeah, and you know, this is when this is like maybe eleven years ago or something. So, when that happened, and I sold one, I was like, I only sold it for like three hundred and fifty quid, which is rad. It's still a lot of money. It's a big moment, though, isn't it? Yeah, and I was just stoked, man. And yeah, I was you, thinking, you must have been. You must have been like, "Fucking hell!" All right, you know. It was just one of those things. It's like, actually, this art stuff could actually work, you know? Yeah. And I love doing it, and that's all that counts. Because is, is this when you started doing stuff with that lad in Leeds as well, like the, the chef? Oh, Mike. No, Mike. That's another story. That's through doing the Dalek fodder stuff and the shithouse tours that I used to do. Right. And he was my contact. He works in a... I'm not... He'd probably correct me on this, but it was kind of a Dick's Tea bar, so the pizzas and stuff like that. And he used to work there, and he was my go-to that was cooking tea that night. Right. Or dinner, or whatever you want to put it. But, um, yeah, that's how I got to meet Mike, and then he, he kind of sucked doing all that. And, and Mike's one of those guys that I love where he is now because he's still exactly how he is. He's still a lad from Middlesbrough. Yeah. Zero fucks given. Yeah. And he'll do whatever he wants, and it's great to see someone like that. It's obviously, it's great to see mates doing well. But yeah, he's I met super him. successful, right? Yeah, man, I met him down the line, and... We just started working together on projects that I never thought I'd be working on as as an artist. That is right with the other style that I do. But yeah, it kind of all happened after that, and then after that first show, one after another, because of the credibility, you know, just on a flyer. And this is, I don't think even Instagram. Well, I wasn't on Instagram or anything. It was no, just, it would have been before that. For yeah, sure. it was. I, I yeah, probably MySpace or something like that. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, Hotmail that were around um, but you <laughs> know mean, what I mean it, it, even it, it that, wasn't it isn't even that long ago though but it already sounds like a proper yeah, it's a trip, throwback doesn't it yeah and yeah so that went out and it, it kind of gave me a bit of a reputation as well I don't know but it just went well straight after like it was show after show yeah and yeah, uh, then it started to kick in on it and you had to yeah and it was cool man because it was like there wasn't that pause in between leaving doing seasons and snowboarding to going shit what am I going to do yeah and I've done Man, I've done like building work in, in some, like a lot of British snowboarders do, like working on building sites in Val and on chalets. And, yeah. And I feel like I've ticked off a lot of boxes, right? I've done building, run my, run my own kitchen. Yeah. Done shit jobs down in Newquay. Yeah, like, done those, I've done, tried to do all those jobs. Done those and it's like, yeah. am, am I going to go back to that? Well, no, because then I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. And it just kind of escalated into that, man. Did you recognize it straight away then? Did you think, like, right? this you know after that first show were you a bit like all right i've got to chase this yeah not in a cheesy way but it's like i'm like right this is what i'm here for yeah i'm here to paint pictures and make art and that's it and you threw yourself into it because you've said a couple of times like you know you're somebody that like goes goes all in like wants to wants i think you've got to try as the best you can to do the best job you can and if you don't there's no point in doing it yeah. there's no point in you've got to be 100 percent. otherwise what's the point in putting your time and effort into something that like now I could never not do it because I put that much into it. Yeah. Unfortunately, touch wood, you know, I'm getting some great opportunities and working with some amazing people and 
would that still happen if it was like, oh, fast going, all oh, right, it's Friday night now. Do you know what I mean? And I do. I do know what you mean, but I think for a lot of people, like self doubt is a massive thing. I think yeah. like people, people have are scared to try to chase those opportunities because ultimately they're worried they're not good enough. And I think that's really common for yeah, a lot man, of people. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I'm guessing you never really thought that, or did you think that? Well, no. I mean, I think, I think every artist or creative will go through that at some point. Whether or not it's on a really good hangover, what am I doing in life? Or yeah. whether or not it's just like you've had a shit shit time or something's happened, you're going, God, should I? I think every artist goes through that at some point. Yeah. You know, you're only human, you know. But I tend not to let things grind on me. It's like, right, hang on a minute. That weren't happening before. Right. So why am I even thinking about it now? It's like going back to that thing, you can't, you can't change stuff that's not, that's already going to happen. Yeah. Like it's, and I've I've always been like that. I can shut off certain things, and it's like, well, now go if you are painting. So you can so, you can you've got the ability to sort of. I'd like to think so. I'll probably well, I'll probably like leave here after this and go fucking know what I'm doing. Just had a, <laughs> you, just had a podcast with Matt Barr. <laughs> Where's the Guinness? Where's Actually, them? can I open the other one? Yeah, man, go cool? for it. Yeah, but what I mean is like, it's that thing, isn't it? That it sounds like you've got the ability to comment on what's happening and 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 be logical about it. You know what I mean? And like, not let it do your head in. You're saying you can kind of go, oh no, that that's this thing that's happening, so I don't want, I don't need to worry about that. I can shove this over here. That's, yeah, I that's, think it's, that's quite a. I think that's quite rare. I think it's a learning process. I think it's just about learning about. It may sound cheesy again, but like who you are, who you are, and what you want to do. Like you can either dwell on this or you can dwell on that. Is that going to get you anywhere? No, it's not. You're just going to be in a situation that you're going to be going. Oh Christ, man! Like. How's this going to work out? Yeah. Or you can look on the other side of it and go, well, you can do this. Like it's, you've done it before. Yeah. And you, you just have to do it better because you've done it that way. Now you're going to have to do it a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, I kind of simplify I, 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 things no, if I, that makes sense. I like, agree with you as well. I do think you can learn to do it, but I think, I think it's, I do think a lot of people find it really hard. Like I think um, that self doubt thing, imposter syndrome, it comes up a lot when I chat to creatives on this show. Like, yeah everyone's got it i always think that the people that are successful have just learned to ignore it i think just shutting off from stuff i mean i'm i'm a massive like uh i think a lot of it's to do with how nowadays this may sound a bit old but <laughs> mate i turned 40 on sunday so yeah do you really yeah, i'm joining your club wow yeah hey i'm 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 nearly well i'm gonna be 43 in three months rough break is... around you yeah, I mean, <laughs> forty-three is such a shit age, though, isn't it? It's like, know, it's, it's yeah. but it's it's just so there's nothing to it. It's just like oh, forty-three. Well, you're old. I yeah. Didn't realize that forty on Sunday. Wow. I don't. I don't look at it like doing this stuff with Jimbo. It's you know he's forty-five and just nah, the, the biggest charger that I've made in my it, life. It doesn't matter, does it? Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, sorry about that. Going off on a tangent, but um, uh, yeah, going back to what was it? Uh, we were talking about like imposter syndrome and how you yeah because can... I've never actually heard of imposter syndrome. Well, it's just it's just like a thing where people think they can't they can't do it, so they let self doubt get in their head and and they it, you know it's a bar it's a barrier that stops people from achieving what they want to achieve really. But like I say, I kind of think that people that 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 are successful just get better at you know not listening to it, which it sounds like what you've got. I think a lot of it is. Like I was saying about um, nowadays, there's a lot to look at, you know, with Instagram and things like that. People live off these things. 
and I don't think it's real. Even though I'm on it and it's a great tool and stuff, I'm not saying it's not, but I think certain insecurities come from things like that. And I think doubts and stuff like that, you know, people get feeds to... Feeds it. Yeah, and, and it feeds these things. Like, I've met artists that go, well, I'm, I'm painting this picture, but no one's going to buy it. I'm yeah. like, you shouldn't, you, you shouldn't be making art. This is to, exactly what I'm talking you about. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And that's not how you should be thinking. You know, you don't... It's that saying, you don't eat food to take a shit. You're like... <laughs> but it's true though, isn't it, man? You're like going, oh, I'm just going to have this... I've never actually heard that. That's you a know, great saying. There you go, you can have that. <laughs> I'm going to um, take that with me. <laughs> um, but it's true though, isn't it? It's, it's the same with art. You shouldn't be going, right, I'm going to crack on with this painting. Right, who's going to buy it? That's yeah. not the way to look at it because that's just a weird mindset to go straight into something and go. Yeah. And that's, I think, I've met a couple of artists like that to the point they're getting upset about it. I'm like, whoa, calm down. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's a shame because some of them have been super talented, but they're living off this, this, like the social media thing well, and all the rest it, of it. It's just, we're talking, it's the same thing. It's just the yeah. self-doubt. And, yeah, and man. See, I mean, I think you're right. I think it does, it, basically it's harder to ignore with that in your face the whole time, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And if you can shut off to certain things, and I think it opens those, those other doors that you can just go, you know what? I don't need to know about that. Yeah. I mean, what I need to know about is what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a real life skill if you're going to be creative, basically. It's a real, it's a, it's a real thing to work on because it'll because it does hold hold you back it does hold people back like if you yeah. can't if you can't shut that voice off which is basically basically that voice however it manifests whether it's like oh no one's going to buy it because it's shit or like i shouldn't yeah. do this because it's going to be shit which like you said earlier everyone's got that to a yeah. certain degree but unless you can shut that off you'll never actually do something to its full potential will you someone said that um with the art art stuff that it's taught into like students and stuff, you know. I never studied art, so I just did it. But and you said earlier that like, and I've chatted to you about this before, that when you were a kid as well, you were like completely discouraged from doing it because yeah. they didn't like the way you did it. Yeah, I was drawing some weird picture, uh, some rabbits, like, but like freezing cows, black and white. And <laughs> art teacher just hit the roof. And she, <laughs> man, she would, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because I don't know whether she's dead or not, but. Um, she looked like Tina Turner, like a proper battle axe. And, <laughs> and, uh, Beyond Thunderdome, yeah. Oh, Christ, man, yeah. Um, she was horrible, but because of her, it put me off. It didn't put me off art or drawing or whatever you want to call it, but it was just a, yeah, one of, oh, okay, I'm a kid, I can't do art. Then, can't do that's that. What, that's what, and I always think now from pretty much as soon as I started figuring out art and artists, and I always think that art teachers are just, artists that are too scared to be artists like and they're just okay well i'm too scared and i need that security of because it's not it's it may sound romantic to a lot of people but you do have to keep on and i hate saying it's work but you do have to keep chipping away and and i always think that art teachers are just too scared to actually go you know what balls to the wall let's do it let's let's try and go full steam ahead and instead to get that security of having that job and fair play you know I'm not dissing it, but from from school, it just made me a little bit bitter about it, you know? Yeah, well, I think, I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's not easy to do what you're talking about. It's uncommon. That's why there's not a lot of people that do it, basically. And there's a lot of frustrated creatives out there, you know, who yeah. wish they could express themselves in a particular way. And I, that's what I kind of think it's all about, really. That's why I think people don't do it because they can't get past this, you know, like we say, however it manifests itself, it's, it's difficult a shame, to get man. past. It's, it's a shame because I know a lot of, I'm 
I did an installation before I came out here at the gallery that uh, in Harrogate, and there's an artist there that's been through a bit of a shit year, and every time I have a beer with him or meet him, he's going, you know what, I think I should go full steam into it, like just totally, but I just don't. Yeah. And I always end We've up... We've all got those mates. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just a shame because he's a good artist, you know? He's, yeah. He's, he's putting the time in, but and then the, he's... And the other thing is as well, it doesn't matter. No. You know, you like no one cares I don't mean that in a horrible way I no, just no, mean no, like exactly. yeah, I yeah. Just if mean I would like, have said it people couldn't scope so no bad <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> since like, you're saying it's literally right. no one cares yeah. like the only person that cares is him you know like so you might as well just do it because mm. it's not like everyone's sat around going like oh matey boys do you know you, keeping tabs on it yeah. you know what I mean no one cares like, so you might as well just do it anyway no absolutely mate yeah it's true a couple of things you've said about style you know you've you've talked about like how you refer to like an old style, like you've got a different style. And obviously I've seen how your styles progressed like over the years. So what, how do you look at that? Is that just a natural thing or do you, do you have influences that, I mean, you talked about you, your friends, obviously, you know, yeah. that, that, that influence you and I can completely see that from the collaborations that you do. But do you, are you out there trying to find different inspirations and, and. I do pick up inspirations, but again, I try and stay away from it because I think, it's just the more information you got going off in your head, it makes too much coming in. And there's so much to see nowadays, like we've said, like it's it's one of those things. So I do have my influences. And usually they're just from friends that I just respect. Yeah, I've got a good friend, uh, Ben Bro, a surfer. Well, you don't be saying that, but he's an artist and he works yeah, out of his garage. And yeah, I know Ben. Yeah. And just his way of life and how he looks at stuff. And He's got a great style. Mate, he's killer and just his attitude to it i've got a lot more respect than i've got respect for pretty much every artist because i know how hard it is and i know how the time and the the ups and downs you have and but there's certain artists that i i look at and go you know what you're doing this he's got family and kids and he's got to do another job but people i look at inspiration through my mates and stuff like that i don't really look too far afield but so what is it your what is it you see in him that you find inspiring He's just a normal lad. Who's out there doing it. And he's, not, and not I mean, worrying. he's got to have another job. He's not doing... But the artwork that he makes, I go, fuck me, man, like, you could kill... Like, he's being true to it, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, like, he's 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 just regardless, just yeah. cracking on. And I've got a few mates like that. Like I look at Danny and 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 PJ as well, and all these guys in this, this show. You know, a lot of us have exhibited before together, and, I've, and we've, when I've curated, like human nature like a lot of those guys as well and even people like Gooch and Jimbo like there's something that you think you know what at least we're doing what we want to do and that's very inspiring to be around people like that rather than look into so and so is making millions and yeah. all that kind of thing because not that it's not untouchable it's not like everyone can do it I think if you put the time and effort in but when you're working with other creatives I think that's the biggest inspiration for me because you see how other people work and how they act around certain things and that's, I mean, that's where I get it from, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because, again, you just try to keep it about, you know, you want to filter those things, don't you? Yeah. You want you want to make sure that they're positive things and they're obviously just super positive things and, you, and what you're admiring in someone like Ben or Danny is their, you know, the single-mindedness in a way, isn't it? The yeah, way it's, it's when you just see artists switch off from everything else and you just get involved and do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, again, we've all got mates like that as well Yeah, that do that and that you that you do you do respect for it. Absolutely, man, yeah. 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 
Sure. So, so you're doing a lot of stuff with, I'm not going to call him Jimbo. Don't think I've earned the right. You're doing a lot of stuff with Jamie Lynn. Um, yeah. You're yeah. doing a lot of, you've actually got like a f- sort of more formal collaboration, right? That you, like, is it yeah, 1910? Yeah, 1910. Like me and, we ended up being fortunate. Um, a guy, Scotty Daniels, is. I look at him as one of my closest friends. He's, I've only known him for a good part of three or four years. He's been in Vulcan for, for, for time. Yeah. He he runs. I don't know his actual proper job title. I just know him as a mate that I can have a pint of Guinness with, and that's all I care about. Yeah. Um. But he runs, he runs like the the shipping, all the the shop stuff, like the builds, and basically he's got the warehouse out back of Volcom. Right. And uh, which you've also been known to. <laughs> well, this is it, like because I've been uh, <laughs> yeah picture for Hammock or two. Yeah. But he just came to us like, look, you know, it must be hard traveling and all the rest of it. And not having a studio, I'm like, yeah, man, it sucks. Because it drives me mad. If I don't paint, it drives me absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good person to be around. Yeah. Um, and literally, he's like, well, you've got a studio always in, in here. And he's made space in both. They've recently moved uh, warehouses. Wow. And they've made actual space for me and Jim to just to get involved in paint. And we know that every time we go Costa Mesa, we've got a studio at Volcom. And just to have that support alone through a friend, and obviously who Volcom is as well. Yeah. It's just great, man. And so, yeah, like having that studio out there to be able to work. And then obviously Jim's got his affiliation with the snow side. I started doing collaborations as an artist with him um, and then started working in the snow side with like Pat Moore and a few other people. And it kind of won, you know, stepping stones to and just carried on going. And we ended up with the studio together. And yeah, it's it's pretty weird how it, it's just an organic thing we just yeah. have a good laugh like obviously he smokes like a chimney and i like my, my guinness yeah and um we just get along like an ounce on fire and it's just it's just a good laugh man it's it's gone from that point of when we first met it was on one of the shit house tours and we just started speaking about music and that was it not about snowboarding yeah or you know i'm a kid that grew up watching like probably like you did i got the garden and i was like oh my god yeah exactly i mean i was gonna say it's got yeah. a bit pinch yourself right? yeah it was a trip at, at yeah. first it was like what the fuck's going on here? yeah yeah it's fucking jamie and, then. Um, <laughs> yeah and it and you know i class him as one of my best mates now and it's just one of those things that you just know don't you you don't hang around with dickheads you are do you know what i mean and, and you just know when people are good people and you yeah. want to be doing shit with your mates and and 1910 was on those things scotty came to us he's like boys like there's a lot of people asking how can they buy these collaborations and at the, that time we were doing a lot for uh, Vulcan like collaborations between us and then Jim started just scrolling down 1910 like in different fonts and Scotty's talking to me about it and I, I just went what do you think mate he's like hey brother well we got a name now I'm like what is it <laughs> <laughs> What about nine and ten? He's wearing his hat like this. He's got a joint there. Like, what about nine and ten? I'm like, yeah, Sam. What's it? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> Twice. And he's like, oh, and yeah, nineteen is S in the alphabet for scope and ten's J. And there you go. And that was it, man. It it just it was it was just an organic thing, and and it's just basically a little thing we've got going off. We want to make our own clothes, and we want to do our own thing with our own artwork on. And it's cool because there's a lot of people wanting to get involved with us, but we like how we're in control of it. Yeah. Well, there's that, been a lot of situations that we've not been in control of the stuff we're doing, you know? That's kind of a logical thing for you, isn't it? Because yeah. you are doing all these 
collaborations like we've talked about you know you've done one with like vans recently haven't you yeah man yeah you don't yeah. you do lib obviously like we said you do volcom you've done dragon as well yeah man, I've, ju I've actually just done a dragon goal yeah just reminded me but um yeah well, I, was, I was interested really because you must be thinking you're getting to the point where you could almost do your own you know what i mean like just your own stuff like go down that path which is something that people do don't they you well, know? i think it, it's a weird one like doing this with with jimbo and rewind like 15 10 years ago before we were doing me and thrashmore were doing dalek fodder you know and that was just something that came out of a british lad you know me being out there in that snowboard scene and just wanting to do something a bit different and i met thrashmore in this boozer and it's the same kind of thing the same just hit it off going he's a good lad yeah and Long story short, we, we could we at, could do this together. Yeah. Long yeah. story short, I remember having a business meeting with Thrashmore, which thinking about that now is just weird. <laughs> and, and how'd that go? Oh, it was ace, man. Do you have like, an agenda? No, you know, it was a, in. Uh, we were out in the Alp in the summers, and we were doing the community camp. We were out there, and and it's when McNabb had the Marines coming out and stuff. So I met a lot of those guys, and they were just lads, and that was just a good laugh. And yeah. we were supposedly helping out and coaching and stuff. Not really. Yeah. And um. You know, you come down off the hill at two and then everyone starts playing football. I really don't give a shit about football. So I'm just sat there and, and thrash. We'd, I don't even think we had mobile phones or anything. I remember him just shouting to me, shall I get some Guinness? <laughs> or something like that. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Didn't really know him that well at that point. Apart from he used to work in a bar in teen. And I think we actually just sat down. We just sat side at football pitches drinking Guinness saying, well, what, what do you reckon? And we did a launch party in teen. And it, it just, it was like, actually, this is pretty cool to do. Even if it goes nowhere, it's still pretty cool to do. Um, is it still going? It is, man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I came here and, like, half the artists there were wearing Dalek for the t I mean, I see it around, but I just wasn't yeah, sure it's, where. It's like... still going. It's it's just one of those things that ticks over, and yeah. we, we've never pulled any money from it. It's just something that initially came up with the idea I was on a trip in New Zealand and with Rupo was out there, Mark Ruparelia, and Ed Gunn. And Hippie Sam was the photographer. Sam Mellish. And yeah. And do you know why he's, well, he's called Hippie Sam? Uh, I've often wondered. <laughs> uh, he, well, it's not funny or anything. He just had, he just had a shell <laughs> around his neck. When I first met him, this oh, was he had one of them, like an outdoor Yeah, Like the had, gap year. It, yeah, he had a shell around his yeah, neck. Yeah, the I gap year shell, I'm like, mate, you a hippie? He's like, well, no, man, no, cool, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're you a hippie. He's got a shell and a shoelace yeah. around your neck. Pretty yeah. much. And that's how his name, this was back in Alpdoers. Yeah. Going back to then, so. We were on this trip in New Zealand and it all came. I injured myself and all the Japanese were wearing that sort of style of hat. Right. And at the time back in Europe, everyone's crocheting hats, you know, with the big tassels. Yeah. And so, well, if this is what the Japanese are wearing now. It's probably what everyone's going to be wearing yeah. in a couple of Down the line, a couple of years couple down in years. Europe. Yeah. And I thought, well, just come up with a logo or design or whatever. And then I started pushing it out in teen and Drashmore came on the equation and we went, let's do it. And it's just been one of those organic things that have grown and then doing the shit house tour it just escalated fast you know like five years later just going to all these resorts with bands and all the rest of it that was pretty cool and yeah you did all them with the dragon lodge didn't you as well with like john, yeah. john was involved wasn't he and yeah because craig, craig was involved from dragon as well right it, it, was, it was it was a tough one because i'd never done a tour i wasn't saying that i was a tour manager or anything but i think well someone's got to do it yeah Right, how do I approach sponsors and say, do you mind if you give us a bunch of money for me and my mates to go on the piss with two metal bands for like a couple of weeks? 
yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so I'm trying to do a proposal and all the rest of it, but it happened. Like, Nick Street was the first one that came out from Vans. like, this is a great idea. Yeah. Cheers, man. And then we took Jet Black out at the time. No one really knew. Yeah, that was right at the start, yeah. wasn't it? And we took Jet Black out, and I remember introducing Jet Black in a car park to the rest of the guys, like Belson and whoever else was on that tour. And it was cool because you just saw friendships being made. Yeah. Who are still friends for life now and yeah you know memories were made and good friendships were and it was a really good time i mean yeah and th thanks to craig and all those guys from dragon and because they kept us going yeah they um, supported it didn't they i mean i was shaking like a shitting dog by the end of tour but I, 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 that sounds <laughs> grueling no it's a good laugh man i mean god like it's just a good laugh like and that's what it's about really yeah you know, being able to kind of do your own company and do exactly what you want with no one breathing down your neck it was a we, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, well, it was, you know, it's been pretty massive over the years, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah, in, this, funny. in the scene, like, people have, like, really, you know, really been into it, haven't they? Yeah. So, going back to the 1910 thing, it just feels very similar to yeah, yeah. Similar, me and Thrash similar doing feel. our thing. Yeah. And, and with Jimbo as well, he's, like, he's, like, Jim's, is it, you know, you've got, you got Ozzy Osbourne and Lemmy, and then you've got Jamie Lynn. You know, I, I kind of look him like he's he's a very uh he'll do anything for you you know and coming you know be becoming a close mate i've realized that wait a minute this guy's like solid like regards of what he's done you know and eat legendary status or whatever it's just it just totally reminded me of that era of getting with a good mate as in thrashmore doing dark fodder and then when he said that it's like well we love painting together our styles work together. Yeah, makes Let's a lot of sense. Let's just have a fucking good time, man, and see where it goes. It could be something, it could be nothing, but yeah. at least we're doing something that we want to do, and that's all that counts. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's, it's been a trip. It's been a it's been cool as well, you know, some of the opportunities we've got and doing and got some good ones coming up, and, yeah, it's one of the things, man. Well, that leads me nicely to the... Uh, we'll get, get into them, really, so... What what's next? What's the plan? Because you know we've talked a lot about how you, you're driven by the way that you work and by you know the, the opportunities that you've had and you've chased them all and stuff. But it's going. Let's be honest, it's going pretty well. You know these days. So have you got you got got any plans, ambitions, or are you just going to keep keep trucking on, keep doing that, doing it this way? I try not to plan too far ahead, to be honest, mate. Like I think I'm just going to keep on even though it sounds cheesy, keeping on, like just keep on chipping away and doing what I'm doing because it could all end tomorrow, you know, and I don't want to think too far ahead and be like... It's the freelancers. Do you know what I mean? Fair, like that feeling. Yeah. Like, and more so, I never really think like that, like of, oh shit, what if this ends? Yeah. Like, in my head, this is it. It's not, it's, there's no end to it, but... I don't think that ever really goes away, does it? Yeah, it never really goes away. It's always sat in the back of your head, so yeah. I don't really want to plan too far ahead. And I've been doing quite a bit of work with the other gallery that I work with and doing some different styles and stuff. And Who are they? Uh, Red House Originals in Harrogate. They gave me my first ever show. but Right, so you've always you've kept that relationship. Yeah, and, and still building that relationship with Mike at the Man Behind the Curtain and doing things like that. And that's nice to have that separation from the snow industry and what I'm doing with Jim. Because then that way, that's when that going back to that you know procrastination thing, and yeah. it'll never come in. Because when I get fed up with one, I've got the next to fall back on, which is polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it is a lot of work, but 
you know, I've got to. I'm kind of hungry to just keep on. It's gone from like a, a passion to being addicted to it in a way. Right. And that's how I look at it. It's like when I don't paint, I'm a goddamn nightmare. Right. Like, you know, if I can't create something, even though that sounds really cheesy, but it's one of them things that it's just one of them things that I have to do. And I can't imagine not doing it. So I don't really want to think about that too much. What too far afield, you know? Yeah. I've got plans for shows and me and Danny have got one coming up in Oslo uh in may um try and plan just the year or two years ahead and yeah and it's just just keep on just not working with dickheads basically do you know <laughs> what i mean good it's a good guideline try and try and soar like an eagle but good, don't work with geese <laughs> <laughs> can have that one as well <laughs> um, that, that's the quote right there yeah normally i'm like oh what's the quote gonna be for this one that's the quote uh what about with the work though because you, you you said earlier like the actual work's getting more ambitious, getting more involved. Yeah. It's getting larger scale. Presumably yeah. it's, it's, it's getting technically more difficult to accomplish the way you want to do it. That's it is. definitely been progressing. So have you, are, you, are you still seeing further progression with the actual work you're producing? Oh, fuck yeah. Like, I always, when I start on a piece and finish it, it's like, right, I'm already thinking about the next. Like, the stained glass that I did, I had a solo with... Uh, uh, the House of Machines in LA uh, last November and it's my first proper solo that the pieces that I want to show and rather than curate an art show it was like no way okay it's about time I had a solo I've been doing this for 10 years and working on those pieces it was like already thinking about what's next you know your brain work I don't know if it's the same for you with what you do with the podcasts or whatever now you're thinking about maybe getting someone else do yeah you know what I mean? definitely I've, or, I've always had that when, yeah, whenever yeah. i've done 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 big projects like and completely sense, you pour yourself into it and then yeah, as soon as yeah. it's done you're like oh okay whatever yeah right. and, that, and it's hard to switch off from that so it's you're always thinking what's next and with the work it's I'm going you know what if i do the next painting a bit like this or a bit like that or if it's my resin pieces maybe stick a wizard there and a wolf there that'll look rad and then the other one like maybe put a bit of blue, blue paint there and a bit of white paint there and that could look pretty sick as well and that's how I kind of work. Like, and I always work in a series, so I always know what's coming next. Right. And it's just the process that I've got. You know, it never really stops. You know, so yeah. Whether or not that's the right way to do it, but it kind of works for me. Yeah, man, seems so, to be working. Yeah. So people that are listening. Where can they see your work? Because you've got a few shows coming up, haven't you? Um, tomorrow night in the Riders Hotel. Might, I might be short notice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you got one in London though, right? I've got one in London on the 18th of April in yeah. the Underdog Gallery. Um, then the next one after that is with Danny in Oslo in May. Then I've got some walls in East London coming up to paint across from the Ace Hotel. That's going to be a cool one, two big murals. And then towards the end of summer, looking back at going back to LA and working on something there. When Jimbo gets here today, we've got to start sitting down and talking about some stuff for 1910. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, picking and choosing what's right and what I can do without, you know. Like, it could be a shit show, so you don't want to do that. But I always try and pick and choose which ones I think is going to, I don't know, work better. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's stacked till pretty much next February at this point. But, yeah. Um, is that kind of normal? That, that, that far yeah because obviously you're working with galleries or you're working with venues if I'm curating a show with anyone yeah so you've got to figure that one out you've got to give people time and I hate doing that sometimes because you're thinking too far ahead but it's like Christ what if it but you've got to you know you got to do it yeah you don't want to look shit and you've got to you've just got to be on it yeah and, and make life easier for everyone else so 
you don't like a dickhead, you know, and in a way, just be a pro at it or try yeah. and be, you know, do it properly so and make life easy for everyone. And yeah, so you end up doing, yeah, I've got a bunch of shows and I think it's at this point just with the right people. So yeah, man. Nice. Apart from that, social media as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing it, man. Mate, thank you. So there you go. That was me and Scofe. And yet, as I'm sure you can tell, we had a right old laugh doing that one. Now, I've been trailing it and mentioning it a couple of, you know, across the last couple of episodes. I highly recommend the title and Bank Slalom, Double Header in Larks. It takes place in March every year. Tidal is organised by a lad called Aaron Schwartz and features a multitude of artists from across the action sports world. The Bank Slalom is organised by Terry A. Nicholas Muller. It is quite a combo. It's great. I've been to a lot of snowboarding events over the years. That one was definitely up there. Bit of a cliche, the old Bank Slalom thing these days. But when they go down like that, they're a generally lovely, genuinely lovely, sorry, and accessible celebration of snowboarding. So check them out. So housekeeping corner. And I have got some news, actually. Now, I've mentioned a few times over the months about the conversations I've been having with various brands and the way I've been exploring a few different options for the podcast. How am I going to make it pay? I've been slagging off adverts for months, as I'm sure the more dedicated among you will will remember. But I've basically been trying to work this whole thing out. And, you know, how I'm, I'm episode 74. I've been doing it a while. I put a lot of hours in, as I think you might recognize at this point. And, you know, at some point, it's going to have to start paying. And... Yeah, so one of the brands I've been talking to is Patagonia. And for the last six months, I've been catching up with Patagonia, my friends over there, Yellen Mull, Alex Weller, Hannah Bailey. And we've been mulling over a few ideas for ways that we can work together. And I'm happy to say that we've come up with a plan that I think is going to solve the issue of me getting paid for the podcast, enable me to keep the original Looking Sideways podcast advert-free, and provide the great looking sideways listening public with yet more free content sounds pretty good right so right here's the idea i'm going to explain it as you probably know i'm really keen on feedback so here's what's going to happen let me know what you think so i'm going to produce an entirely new show for patagonia in which i'll be exploring the issues of activism in our action sports and outdoor world the show is going to be called type two and in it It's not going to be a radical departure, don't get me wrong. It's still going to be me basically interviewing people, but it's going to be people from this sector of the outdoor and action sports world. I'm going to be speaking to athletes, activists, ambassadors, people from NGOs, people who are active in that world and who have interesting stories and perspectives to share. Now, it's important to say that while this is going to be produced in association with Patagonia, and there's probably going to be one of those little eye dents at the top, this isn't just going to be a procession of interviews with Patagonia people. The idea we've come up with is just to try and document that world, the issues in it, the people active therein and making real change and tell everybody that listens to the show about it. What can we learn from them? What issues are they grappling with? What stories should we know about? On that note, actually, if you've got a story or know somebody who fits the bill, let me know. Now, the appeal for me is obviously I get to do a little bit more of that genuine journalism again and I get to like a just to reiterate I get to keep the main podcast unbranded and do a very interesting new project that yeah is going to have some subtle branding um and is clearly going to be slightly commercial but you know I'm 
I'm keen on keeping both of these avenues very editorially independent and sound. As I think if you've listened to this over the months, you're probably going to recognize that's my that's my gig really. So that's the plan. In terms of distribution and getting it out there, again, you know, we've had long conversations about this. Do we put it out as a completely new show and brand? Do we try and build a completely new audience? Do I host it on the Patagonia site? And in the end, what we've decided to go with is a model, well, stolen, a model, which podcasts like the Nine Club and the Cycling Podcast have pioneered. So the Nine Club, for example, hurriedly goes to iTunes, just to remember what the Nine Club do. Hang on. I I mean, I know what they do, but I just want to make sure I get the name right. This is where all the brass at Patagonia are listening to this and like, this is the guy we've got doing the podcast. The guy that's like tapping away on his computer while he's recording. It is. That is me. Um, Right. Here we go. So the Nine Club. Did they do the Nine Club? Obviously, every three or four episodes, this is what I was getting to. They release one called Experience. It's a different format. It's still the guys from the Nine Club. The cycling podcast, they do a really similar thing. They've got one every few episodes called Kilometer Zero. It just appears in the feed. It's a little bit more clearly commercially branded in that case. The uh, the Nine Club experience is just a bit of a roundup show, isn't it? About what's going on in the skate world with different guests. So we're going to basically follow that model. What's going to happen is if you subscribe to Looking Sideways via iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is and you look on your list of what episodes you're going to see every so often you're going to see one that's called type two and in that I'm going to be exploring those issues of political political and environmental activism in our action sports and outdoor world that's it basically and then it's not going to affect the looking sideways thing it just means you get a completely new show about a completely new subject presented by me in association with Patagonia. That's the plan, basically. So I'm going to record a couple while I'm in the States and I'm going to work on a few as the year progresses. Um, You know, I'm enjoying working with everyone at Patagonia because it's, as you might be able to tell by that extremely roundabout explanation that I've just given, it's not like we've gone in there and been like, right, come on, what are we going to do? And I've been played like fucking NPR you know, formats that I've got a copy or anything like that. It's really not like that. It's very much been like, hey, here's an idea. Let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. And that's what we're going to do. So keep an eye out for it. In the meantime, let me know what you think if you've actually managed to follow all that. And yeah, as I've been saying, Instagram appears to be the main means of communication between me and my listeners. So follow me over at We Look Sideways and get yourself into them DMs with your feedback if you are so inclined. Okay, that was a pretty long bit of housekeeping corner. I've got another bit. Terry update. We're trying to pick a game, basically. He texted me after the Champions League draw saying he was up for coming over, seeing a game and hopefully doing the interview. So that one might actually happen, which would be pretty funny, especially if we end up doing it around um, one of the Champions League games. Don't worry, we won't be talking about football all the way through because I know some people really hate that. But, you know, some people like football and I'm one of them. You know, I like both types of music death and heavy metal and it's the same for football and action sports anyway that's it for now thanks for listening to this one with me and scope hope you enjoyed it by the time you hear this i'll be in the states which is uh, very exciting probably be 
around my last day in Mammoth and about to head to Ventura. Follow me on Instagram if you want to see me spamming the shit out of that. All right, there's my phone. Ah, it's my wife, so I better go. All right, see ya. (laughs) 